my friends, and welcome to Episode 6 of Armor Party, a show celebrating the costumes and costumers of the Star Wars saga. I am your host, Mike Forster, hoping you are working your butt off in these summer months to get those armor projects and kits done. Conventions are coming back, and it has been awesome seeing your progress as you tag Armor Party on social media. I love everything I'm seeing so far. Giving you a heads up as well, we're going to be rolling out a Patreon in the next few weeks. We'd love to keep adding great content and building this community up. So make sure you're subscribed to the show on iTunes or Spotify. Make sure you're leaving reviews. It helps with the algorithm. You're you're tagging customers that you'd love to see in the show. We'd love to talk and keep this going. Now, let's get into this conversation. If you are building on a budget or still debating getting into this crazy hobby, this episode might just give you the push that you need. Enjoy the show. All right, you know the drill. Our next guest is one of the busiest makers in our circle. As a trooper with six costumes, his boba is perfection, his rex is proper, and fun fact, he was the first approved Bad Batch hunter in the entire 501st Legion. He's a fellow Michigander, but don't let his Midwestern niceness fool you. He's got the skills to craft up a great blaster and put your pictures to shame. You may think his name is for the stage, but it's 100% real. We welcome Hunter Smoke to the show. Hunter, welcome to the Armor Party. Thanks, Mike. I'm excited to get you on the show, Hunter. I've been a huge fan of seeing your work and I think maybe even just your work ethic. It's like you are constantly building and creating. And every time I follow your feed, I'm like, how how do you find the time to make all this stuff? Like, this is your this is your thing, man. You are making costumes constantly. Yeah, I mean, finding time has been a challenge for me as a college student, and now I'm out and working a full-time job trying to be a functioning adult um, when I just want to be a kid and play (laughs) with armor all day. But yeah, I I go to work, come home, then go out to my garage and hang out and work on armor. I've got all my personal projects that I'm working on, as well as some commissions and stuff, but there's usually a a slew of helmets in there that I've been working on, as well as uh, a few new suits of armor. So as a commissioner, what are you, you know, are you, are you mainly painting for people? Are you casting? Are you, what, what is, when you, when you say that you're a commissioner, what exactly are the services that you offer to people? Right now I'm only doing painting. So a lot of people that come to me, they don't really, they're not as active in the community as some people. So they don't necessarily know where the casts come from. So someone will come to me and be like, Hey, I want a phase two Captain Rex helmet. And I'll hook them up with a maker that sells that helmet and give them a quote that includes the cost of the cast as well as my uh, painting time. And then I just kind of take care of all that for them um, and then ship it back to them. And where are you finding in terms of costumes and particularly commissions, 
you know, you, you always do see this increase in, you know, the Mandalorian comes out, then a lot of people want din buckets and then, you know, Bad Batch comes out and everyone's making, you know, Hunter and Wrecker helmets right now. Is there, do you find that whatever show is kind of currently going on that, you know, you find a, a huge spike in commissions for those particular characters or are there characters that kind of always seem to come, you know, pretty, pretty standard and frequent? Probably the most common one for me is clone troopers. I mean, clones are kind of my thing. Um, I was, I was a prequel kid. So me growing up, that's what I loved. Um, and it's what I put a lot of time in for my own personal costumes. That's what a lot of people know me for. So they'll come to me for uh, lots of clones. I get inquiries about Din, um, and Boba quite a bit, but I, so far I've steered away from those just because of the sheer amount of time that they take. Um, and then for sure. a costume like Din, um, using that Illumiluster paint, I don't really have right. the setup in my garage here to feel like I could give that finish a justice. And with that nice spray booth and everything, I think you talked about that on the last episode, um, how people yeah. will invest thousands in just like a paint setup to be able to use that nice Illumiluster paint and get a nice chrome finish on a DIN helmet. You know, the cool part about you're, you're a little bit younger and I had I, I talked about on our, our last episode with with Drew the customer. You know the prequel. It's really cool seeing a lot of love for the clone troopers because you know there there were some older fans that watched the prequels and they didn't connect with the prequels the same way that they you know and and maybe it's due to the clones changing you had phase one you had phase two you had these you know and the, and they were more identifiable they were able to kind of customize their armor and so i don't know if people didn't originally attach to the clones just because they didn't have the uniformity of the stormtroopers as the phase ones were turned into the phase twos but it's really cool to see with the Clone Wars and kind of some late bloomers getting into the Clone Wars, myself included, um, and, and seeing what they did with the clones really made me kind of come back around and be like, man, clone troopers are freaking sweet. And it's cool to see someone like you be like, man, that was my costume from the beginning. So I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You bring up a really good point that there's kind of this, like a little bit of divide in the community that sort of started when the prequels came out. And now, like you said, with you just getting into Clone Wars, a lot of fans, that, that that gap is kind of closing and everyone's like, whoa, even though this is an animated show, this is still Star Wars. This is still really cool. And granted, Clone Wars and Rebels have their moments that are kind of a little more kid oriented. There's still some sure. like pretty mature, pretty like deep storylines in there. And you also sort of mentioned how clones have a little bit more of a like a personality. And I think clones really felt super different to um, a lot of people who are used to faceless stormtroopers. It's kind of ironic because clones... They're all exactly the same. They shouldn't have a personality, right. but they have a ton of it. And that's part of yeah. the reason I was so drawn to those characters. Um, like you said, like for me being a kid, that's what I grew up with. I dreamed of that Captain Rex armor from the moment I saw him <laughs> in 2008 on screen. Well, let me ask you this too, Hunter. So you're this, this hobby, I think for anyone who's listening, that's, that's considering getting into this hobby or has maybe done a little bit of an, and maybe they bought a helmet or they may, maybe they did something along those lines of kind of, you know, dipping their toes into the water of costuming. You know, this is not, this is not a cheap hobby. This is certainly not, you know, a hobby for someone to say, yeah, I've got a couple hundred bucks. What can I get? I mean, this is, especially for someone like you, who's got, you know, six costumes and anyone who has a Boba Fett knows that this is a incredibly 
expensive, nuanced hobby that, of course, we're all super into. But I, I traditionally find that most of the people who are into it got into it because they were able to afford it and start, you know, saying I can justify it, but you're younger. And so how long have you been costuming for and how did you kind of get into it? Some of these parts and the paint and all that kind of stuff, like what was, what's kind of your story with costuming? So I guess to go really far back, I would always like make my Halloween costumes and stuff. Of course, with the help of my dad when I was younger, like the first uh, Star Wars one that I really remember was an R2-D2 costume that started with the top of a trash can and then these foam legs and stuff that we put together. The next one was a Tusken Raider. Um, I did a Mandalorian one year um, out of some Sintra plates, which is kind of ironic because that's how people do it when they're not kids making Right. Janky looking costumes in their garage. Yeah. So then uh, when I was younger, I I went to Disney World in 2010 for Star Wars weekends with my parents. And while I was there, I obviously had all Star Wars characters in the parks and stuff. Sure. And I got to meet Captain Rex, which was a life changing experience for me, Um, as you can tell, as because of where I am now. But yeah, so it was me. In that in the park with this super legit looking Captain Rex in this really terrible looking duct tape clone trooper outfit that I made when I was <laughs> uh, eleven years old or however old I was in two thousand yeah eleven years old um, and then after that that kind of instilled in me this desire to have like something that's legit you know and I had seen sure. some uh, some five hundred first members at local events like local minor league baseball games and that kind of thing. So I kind of sure. knew that they they existed and kind of had done, done my research and stuff up until the point where I turned 18, seen them at conventions, and I knew that I wanted to be ready by the time I was 18. So like you said, a lot of people get into this based on what they can afford. Um, my first costume was an A New Hope TK from Anovos which I got in as soon as they put that up on their tier one pricing, which was 350 bucks for an armor kit and soft goods and a completed helmet, which can you believe, you know, is just like unbelievable. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. And I mean, granted now I know a lot of people don't speak very highly of a Novos, but I mean, I'll stand by my first kit just because my first kit and it's, that, that was my gateway drug that really, really got me set in this hobby of, um, more high fidelity costuming. Sure. And like I said, when I was younger, I dreamed of that Captain Rex armor, and um, that's kind of where I worked after that. Um, Boba Fett, uh, like you were saying, is is a really really expensive costume um, for a lot of people. Thankfully, I've been able to do a more budget Boba Fett costume. So, sure. Um, I got most of my parts for. I guess what was my first version of Boba Fett's been a constantly evolving costume. Most of the parts for my, my first build of Boba Fett were actually secondhand. And I'd buy those from someone. They weren't necessarily the most accurate. I'd revamp them, get them up to uh, a level of quality that I thought would be good enough for me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that my Boba Fett costume is the most accurate. I mean, Drew, who you had on the last episode, his would blow mine out of the water. <laughs> and maybe one day I'll be there, but... It's, it's, it's to each their own. It's how much you, you want to put in to the costume itself. Um, so like I said, I, I started with more like used parts and stuff. And over the years, either, well, by choice or by necessity, I've replaced parts. I actually got in a car accident where I rolled my car four times with my Boa Fett armor in the back. Oh, no. And that, 
Yeah, so totally wrecked the helmet, totally wrecked the gauntlets. Jetpack was broken into a few pieces. Oh, no. Um, so that really, really threw a wrench in things, and I had to go back and buy a bunch of replacement parts or really test myself to see if I could actually repair these things. Like the jetpack, like I said, it was pretty much almost snapped in half. There was a little bit left holding it together, but that was a lot of filling and sculpting and everything to get it back to where it was and then repainting everything once again. I mean, it, you know, either it, and that's what it takes. It either takes a, uh, a blind bounty hunter to slap you with a uh, gaffy stick, or it takes a, uh, you know, four time rollover to destroy your backpack. So I think actual Boba Fett could probably empathize with that. You know, Boba has, I feel like I talk about Boba all the time in this show. Um, I'm not but complaining. It, it, it truly is like the, yeah, the, it, it is the Everest of costumes, especially in regards to the 501st Legion, that comment that you made about, you know, I might not have the most accurate one. And I mean, do you, do you find in with all of your different costumes, you know, sometimes you, you ask yourself, am I making something for the reaction to when I go out and I introduce people to costuming in my costume, I go to a convention, I take pictures with people, they're looking at, they see Boba Fett. You know what I mean? They're not going, oh, that's a, you know, ROTJ, you know, special edition. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's it's just not like that. You know, sometimes you get to a point where you're like, am I designing costumes for myself and for the effect of feeling like the character or am I designing it for other customers? And I think sometimes it's easy to lose yourself to the idea of building screen accurate. But then sometimes at the same time, it's like this stuff gets beat up. You go to conventions, it, it, you know, stuff breaks and it's not the end of the world or eventually keep upgrading it. I mean, what is your, what's your take on accuracy? You know, you've, you've, you, and, and especially cause clones, which is kind of your specialty, you know, we haven't really seen too many realistic versions of them. So we kind of have to take some liberties to make them actually fit our bodies, you know? So, I mean, what, what's your take on, on accuracy and, and that general yeah, premise? Um, I guess starting with Boba Fett, uh, I mean, I, you're always your own biggest critic, right? Um, sure. Like oh, yeah. you said, most people won't notice the things that you would notice on your own costume. And it's just that holds true with my Boba Fett build. Um, the the things that I see that are wrong with it, really no one else is going to notice them unless they've also built a Boba Fett. Um, so, right. and like you said, I wear this to conventions. I tend to be a little bit more goofy when I troop and stuff. I mean, if you've seen on my Instagram, sure. there's pictures and videos of me dancing and costume and stuff and just having a good time. And yeah, you have fun. Like I, I run yeah. my costumes through the gauntlet. Um, sure. And they get wear and tear. Like my first troop with Boba Fett, half of my jetpack harness fell off. The rocket snapped in half. Uh, my toe spikes got kicked off and flew across the convention floor. Um and like, that was really disappointing, but it's something that you kind of expect to happen. And I would really love to go that extra mile and get this costume. That's like the most accurate possible, but I kind of sometimes try and stop myself and be like, all right, you're going to troop in this. It's going to get beat up. Yep. There's, there's almost a, like making the costume. I get a ton of enjoyment out of that. Like that's, that's my favorite yeah. part, honestly. Um, Sure, but sure. you almost get a diminishing return when you spend eight hours trying to just map out all the different paint layers of the cat scratch on Boba Fett's forehead, right? Um, right. So sometimes I kind of stop myself and stand back for a second and be like, you know what? This is this is Boba Fett. Like 
Someone's yeah. not gonna like like you said. They just see Boba Fett when when they see his costume. Um, and I sometimes force myself to realize that and kind of slow down and pull myself out of the deep end of this this never ending pit that is Boba Fett research and costume building. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So in the, yeah, for Boba Fett specifically, it's it's a unique challenge um, in a different way than it is for for costumes like the clones. Um, my Rex is a realistic clone um, styled after right. the armor that we saw in Revenge of the Sith. Um, yep. And even though we saw that armor in a realistic fashion, um, there was there was no physical armor ever built for that movie. So how do you right. adapt those parts to fit on a real human frame? Um, and that's, that's something that the, the costume community has come to adapt to and kind of concede some points. Like the, the, all the clone armor is seamless. Unlike the stormtroopers that have that cover strip, um, that goes along yeah. the front and back of all the armor pieces. So how do you get into this thing that's, that fits your body super tight, but doesn't have any seams to take off or put on? Um, so Right. Like on the shins and stuff, there's that little indent in the back called the spoon. People make that removable so you can kind of slide your leg in, that kind of thing. So you make these little concessions here and there um, to actually bring this costume to life, which is something pretty pretty different about the clones compared to other costumes that were actually real. And then for Hunter, which is an animated clone costume, it kind of just takes that to the next level because you get this cartoon character who might not have realistic human proportions, like the clones and the Clone Wars kind of tend to have really long limbs, small torso, um, really, really slender everywhere. So adapting yeah. that yeah. was also a really interesting challenge, um, especially for Hunter, because the Bad Batch has some really kind of like chunky armor, but they're still really, really mobile. And it's it, it never ceases to frustrate me when I see the clones sure. on screen in the Clone Wars, and they're moving around and stuff, and then, like, yeah, they lift yeah. their arm up above their head or something, and their armor, because it's a digital model, physically stretches with them. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, yeah. if only my armor did that, and I could move and sit down and bend over like a normal human being can move, instead of basically just waddling around like a penguin in armor. Right, right, right. And I think... Well, so and the question I want to ask you, because I know that I I laughed about it with Drew in the last episode, but you have built enough costumes across, I would say, this spectrum. Let's clear the air. Which of your costumes is the most comfortable? Because you find that people, when they build their first set of armor, I generally tell people anything with thigh armor with hard thigh armor. That's going to be your clones. That's going to be your TKs. That's going to be, um, you know, it, it, besides what I would call like soft thighs, which is going to be your TIE pilots, your biker scouts, your snow troopers, you know, which are the most comfortable for you. I, I got to imagine besides that giant jetpack that you have to be screwed into with Boba, that Boba is a pretty comfortable costume. But what, do you, what have you found to be the more uncomfortable costumes versus the ones that are easier to wear over say a, a day or two of a convention uh well my most comfortable one is definitely my a new hope han solo because that's basically just street clothes oh which is that great doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> so but in regards to actual armor um yeah. you're right boba is probably overall the most 
comfortable and mobile. There's a lot of tension in the torso area. Um, you have that weight of the jetpack, and then I wear my jetpack harness really, really tight just so it doesn't yeah. slide around a lot um, and let the jetpack like droop. Right. Um, so it, it gets really hot in your torso because you have the the undersuit and then the jetpack harness and then the flak vest and then the armor plates on top of that. So it gets really warm, but you're still definitely the most mobile in that one out of all my costumes. My TK is super, super light, which is nice because um, you don't have to fill the seams and stuff and add all these extra resin parts like I do for my clones. Yeah. Um, but that was the first costume that I built and I still wasn't super sure on what I was doing with trimming and sizing. There's a lot of pinch points, especially like you said, in the thighs and stuff that, that really wears on you after a day, but probably the one that like fits me the best and is the most comfortable to be like active in for that reason is Rex. That was the second costume I built that involved trimming armor and stuff. So at that point I kind of knew what I was getting into. I was able to really focus on like slimming it up, fitting it to me. I, based on my TK, I knew where like pinch points were on kind of like a generic body armor form. So I was able to sort of cater to that as I was trimming and sizing it to me which has kind of made it be a more comfortable costume while still being super form-fitting. Um, my pauldron on that one is still super heavy, kind of like right. the jetpack. After a few hours, my left shoulder starts to go numb, but that's okay. I still look cool. <laughs> <laughs> you do it for the troop, man. You do it for the troop. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I and, – and Hunter, the the part that I think is – I, I well, where did you – are your clones from there aren't many vendors for the clones are your clones am i safe to assume that they're from imperial surplus rex is from imperial surplus that's kevin's uh one-stop clone shop armor that he's sure. sold for ages that is just awesome stuff definitely would recommend him for anyone building animated or realistic clones the hunter build was a little bit different so i built that last summer right after the premiere of Clone Wars Season 7. So we had just seen The Bad Batch. There were no kits out, partially because he had the same name as me. I was like, all right, I'm obligated to build this armor, so let's get going. (laughs) But like I said, there was no one one with kit parts out there for Hunter yet. Uh, There was one guy starting to make or starting to sculpt uh, what would be a resin cast for it. So I got in his like pre-order list for that, but... The body armor, everyone initially thought it was going to be the same as Gregor's armor, animated Republic Commando armor, sure, which had already sense. been built. Um, and in 2017 at Celebration Orlando, they did this Lost Stories of the Clone Wars panel where they showed one of those concept character cards of Hunter. And in in that panel, that character card showed pretty much the same um, as like animated Republic commando armor. So again, that led to the assumption that it was going to be the same. Um, but of course, when the show came out, it was pretty obvious that they changed up a bunch of it, which was pretty inconvenient, but I wasn't going to let that stop me. Um, so what I did for that is I, I bought an animated Republic commando kit from Walt's trooper factory and basically just cut that thing to bits, used what I could sculpt it on top of it with body filler added on parts. Some parts I either modeled myself or had someone else model and then 3D printed them, replaced those parts from the original kit completely and did whatever I could to modify that kit from Walt into armor that would match Hunter's um, armor sculpt instead of um, Gregor's. Now that to me sounds like, you know, I, I go back and forth with 
3D printing and armor because it, in some ways, it takes out that uniqueness. It takes out that buildability. And now, I'm not, I'm not saying that if you buy a file offline, you're not putting in a tremendous amount of work because you are. The process of finishing 3D prints is insane. But there is something about, you know, especially because, like, I'm almost done with this this DIN build. And I've now people who have been listening to the podcast since the first one are like, man, you got to finish that costume. But the, yeah, you, you have to. I'm, I I'm waiting on it. you. I know, man. I know. <laughs> but, but you know, there's something about, you know, everyone at the convention downloading the same file, having it print out exactly the same, and the finishing and all that kind of stuff. It just, in some ways, it kind of takes out the uniqueness of everyone's individual build just because the base model is exactly the same. And then when you think about it like that, you're like, well, are they really much different from the regular ABS kits? But I think in the in the fit, in the finish, you find that there's a little bit of a difference there. But what you just described with building Hunter, I mean, man, that is like a classic old school, this guy made this armor. And I think that's awesome. Like, I can't believe that you modified uh, a Waltz kit of Republic commander to look that good because the Hunter, it, you know, it looks great. And I'm sure now, of course, like with, with bad batch actually out, you know, I mean, are there things that you look at and you're like, Oh man, I want to, I want to update that just because some things have been updated. Yeah. There are things that I do uh, want to update partially just because of comfort. So like I said, I ended up sculpting a lot on top of that with body filler. Um, just like gluing on plastic components to sort of build out the rough shape and then spreading um, Evercoat on top and then sculpting that so it was smooth. And right. that was just really heavy and clunky. So there's some really uncomfortable parts um, with that. And it did, It, like I said, I'd like to replace stuff mainly because of weight. Um, there's a few small parts that I'm kind of un, unhappy with my sculpt on. I just, just because of, I, I had to work with what I had. Um, and I'll eventually replace those parts. Jim Trippin, he's got a kit out now for it. Um, sure. there's some really good looking parts and I'll probably piecemeal in some of that, um, in the future as, as my more rudimentary put together stuff, um, breaks down. But yeah, like you said, I did put a lot of work into that, but I, I can't take the full credit for it. Um, that original sculpt was done by TZA or uh, Talon on the Clone Trooper forums, and then Walt bought the bucks and stuff, and then now sells the cast. So it's, you know, it. I did really like that it kind of had that old school aspect. Sure. Like you said, of sort of building, building up and sculpting and doing it from scratch, which was super fun and super cool, and it really challenged me as a costume builder. And like I said before, I love the build aspect of it, so that that sucked me, and I loved every minute of it. To sort of touch back on what you said about the three D printing, um, it's three D printing has become this incredible resource for the costuming community. Like you said. Everyone gets the same file, and granted, you scale it to fit your body, and then and everything ends up looking the same. But like you kind of think back to the ABS kits, like you said, all those are pulled off the same molds, and aren't we trying to like build troopers that look the same? Um, yeah, hundred percent. They're supposed to look uniform. Yeah, yeah. And the the real character in someone's build, I think, kind of comes out in in their paint and the way they wear it. And that being said, even though you can get like this, the same results, like finished look from 3d prints, I don't think it's, it's to the point where it is a total substitute for like the normal ABS builds. A lot of people come to me and ask, Hey, did you 3d print your armor? 
are these files good? I want to print my armor. Um, and I'll usually direct them to an ABS kit or hips or, or whatever's available for whatever costume sure. they're asking about just because it's going to save them a lot of headaches. And that's not to say that I like discourage 3D printing because I've added a bunch of that to my costumes um, and even just like side helmets that I built and stuff. But right now, as far as like right now, as far as where the technology is at, there's it's, it's tough to just 3D print everything, but it has its advantages. So you get this beautiful marrying of this old school tech of sculpting and backforming or resin casting and combining that with the advantages of 3D printing to be able to scale things or really, really quickly be able to make changes and print out a new version. Um, and combining everything both these new these new school ways and those old school ways of costume building i think has really accelerated the way the community has been able to approach costuming um right. and and approach these new costumes like me with hunter i wouldn't have been able to build that in a month and a half if i didn't have access to printing as well as these old school methods so there's not sure. you can't just go about it one way versus the other um and i think it's really important to stress to people who are trying to build costuming that don't um don't cast away either method like stick with them both you need a full toolkit not just half of one well i think too and that's a great point that you make because i you know i've i've laughed about this with a lot of people john rodriguez our first guest and then eventually i'm going to have brian cook who i think is the going to, well, he goes by Sith and ain't easy, but you know, he was just telling me about his fully printed crosshair armor, which looks awesome, but he's like, man, it's a tough kit to wear. And there's something to be said because, you know, when people originally had the idea of going, Oh, a 3d print and you're going, okay, well let's look at it. You know, we're buying, you know, a roll of filament, which if you want decent stuff, that's not, you know, that's not going to make you pull your hair out, assuming that the whole filament prints exactly the way that it's supposed to, which sometimes doesn't happen. But, you know, you're spending about 25 bucks a roll. And if you were to look at someone who's like, well, I think I'm going to just go to print the whole kit, which some people do, that's great. Um, but then you're also looking at, it's not really, by the time you put in the, the, the sanding, the prep, the prime, all of that, you're kind of sitting there going, you're still spending a thousand bucks of time and energy and tools versus at what point do you just go, it's easier to buy an ABS kit, which oftentimes is a little bit more durable. You have to think about it a little bit less versus the 3D kits have to oftentimes be backed in, you know, fiberglass or something to keep them sturdy. You can't keep them in your car, God forbid. Um, you know, so it's like, I don't know, what do you, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? What is the, you know, as someone who, who seems to dabble in a, a lot of different uh, methods? Um, yeah, like you said, I've talked with Brian a little bit about his crosshair build. And then another one of my friends in the community, Will Bros Inc. He also has a 3d printed crosshair kit. Um, and like I said, that 3d printing allows the costuming community to tackle a new build like that, like yeah, super, yeah. super fast. Definitely. Um, and I, you're, I know, you know, quite a bit about shore troopers and stuff. Um, and that was kind of like the the advent of all this in the community rogue one came out sean fields made his files and everyone everyone was super excited about it. they're like oh right we can jump on this costume so fast have it ready for the movie premiere this is great um yeah. and then people started building it and they got 
like people were finishing builds and then by the time they're done you're like you know this is quite a bit more work um (laughs) like you said there's all this sanding and filling and what you save in cost because it does end up being a little bit cheaper material wise what you save in cost you lose in time um that's a great way to put it at least twice as long finishing a 3d printed helmet or part um as i do a resin or vac formed one just because of how much more work you need to put into that surface to get it smooth. Um, and there's a lot of different methods out there. Probably the most popular is using that Bondo spot putty that comes out of that tube. Yep. Um, people use XTC resin by Smooth On, which is like a self-leveling stuff. I really like that um, just because it gives it strength to you. You mentioned not leaving parts in the car, um, which is, yeah, big no-no. Um, right. Cause it'll melt the PLA. I mean, it's, it's fine with ABS, but if you print in PLA, which is the easiest and most common material, it will warp and melt in the car, but yeah. adding that extra layer of resin will, um, give it some strength and, and make you a little more secure in, in your armor and how, how strong it is in the sun. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so there's those two methods and then, um, Vault Fox you had on here, she's been experimenting with using just um, UV-cured resin from like an SLA 3D printer. That's right. becoming more popular as well. So there's all these different methods. And, and like I said, because it's so new, people are still learning about it um, and learning what its advantages and disadvantages are, um, which granted, sometimes we choose to ignore those disadvantages just because it's quick. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah, you're um, absolutely right. It's it does definitely lend itself to the development process um, and the finished product as well. But you, it's it's got like I said again, what you make up, what you, what you gain in cost, you lose in time. Yeah, definitely. That's a great. That's such a great way to put it, Hunter. I want to go back a little bit, and you know, because you've you've mentioned you know Star Wars Orlando, you mentioned your your parents. Uh, you know, we're, we're way into star Wars. Like what are, I mean, do have you grown up pretty much always being surrounded by star Wars? Like, tell me a little bit about, I just need to know a little bit about your parents. They sound like the coolest people. <laughs> um, so no, it's, it's actually kind of weird. My parents, I don't even know if my mom had seen star Wars when I was a kid or if my dad had even seen them all when I was younger. Um, but I saw the trailers for Revenge of the Sith on TV in 2005, and I was hooked. Like, I was that prime age, seven years old, whoa, yeah. spaceships, lightsabers, lava planets, these big Bigfoot-looking <laughs> things. Like, oh, yep. it was great. It checked all the boxes. Um, sure. So I loved it. And, like, I s- saw those trailers, kind of asked my parents about it, and my dad eventually conceded and and got like the movies on dvd and stuff and i watched them and then from that point on it it was history and it kind of stayed this like this thing that i was i went through phases where i was super super into it when i was younger and then kind of faded out and but i always kept kind of coming back to star wars um especially with clone wars clone wars kept me going loved that show grew up with it and then like i said when i turned 18 i was able to join the 501st um, and at that point, my parents still weren't that into it. But once I got more <laughs> active in the community and stuff, um, uh, my mom started to be like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. And they started to get more and more excited with the movies because Disney had bought uh, Lucasfilm by then. And they were pumping out new movies. Um, so it was kind of this it was brought more into the spotlight as far as pop culture goes. Um, and that kind of got them more interested in it. And then eventually my mom was like. 
you know what? I want to build some armor too. Um, which is uh, kind of the opposite of how a lot of families go in the 501st or the costuming clubs. Like it's usually the parents who have these kids who are kind of brought up with the parents being active in the clubs um, and the parents get the kids into it. For me, it was the exact opposite, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so here we are now, what, probably three years later from when my mom said that and she's working on her third set of armor. She's trying to catch up that, to me. So, so what, yeah. is, what other kits does your mom have? Uh, she started with a Rav Brailer, which is like a red and black Mandalorian from the yeah. Republic Commando books. Her second one was a Sand Trooper, and then now she's working on the Armorer from the Mandalorian Season 1, and she's just about to finish that up. That is that is so cool to hear. And props on wearing the Sand Trooper armor, that pack. Uh, though, though it's a little bit more complicated in terms of if you actually build one versus the paint job of Boba's rocket, um, it's certainly not an easy costume to wear over time because you said it, like your guts, your back starts to age after a while. Um, mm-hmm. The straps aren't overly comfortable. So props to your mom, man. That That is awesome. I, I well, you, you'll she, have to so send me some pictures. she doesn't actually have the backpack. Oh, she's the, she's the lone, the lone yes. sand trooper and with she, no pack. Yeah. The, yep. Yep. Um, so she, she, yeah, she's the, the one who does like the barrel roll in the, in the docking bay 94 scene. Yes. Um, this is what drew and I had just talked about is the exception mm-hmm. that, that the Moss Eisley police department, which is the sand troopers detachment in the 501st has been trying to overthrow for years because they think every sand trooper should have a backpack, but it's Canon. It's totally Canon to not have a backpack. <laughs> so that is awesome. Yep. She wears a, she wears a pauldron though, I assume or no. Yes. Yep. She wears a pauldron. She's got okay. the binox and stuff. Um, okay. She's actually been talking about getting the backpack, and every time she brings it up, I tell her it's like it's gonna look really freaking cool, but you're gonna hate wearing it. Yeah, that's and that's a good point. I think the part of it for me with the with the sand trooper is you know because I I have one. It just looks, you know, there because I remember seeing them in a New Hope and going man, what do those things do? And you have to assume that the planet of Tatooine was just grimy and dusty. It was very hard to live in it. You know, the sand was particulate. It got in your lungs and those filtration packs would, you know, made it so that the troopers were able to survive there, outlast anybody. Right. So it's, it, I think for a prop, it is one of the most, I don't know. What would you say? Like, it almost kind of feels like it's a, you know, it, it, it sparks your curiosity. What does that thing do? Right. You know? it, it has a lot of character to it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Compared to like a normal TK, all that dirt and grime built up on there. Um, it gives the sand trooper a bit more character. Um, For sure. It makes you feel like it has this backstory as to how that trooper got so dirty. Um, right. And like, oh, why is this one's pauldron black and that one's orange? Um, that right. kind of thing. They all carry yeah. different weapons. And then you see the normal stormtroopers who are just cookie cutter. They all look the same aside from that one right. dude with no stripes on his helmet or the one with the gaffer tape on his bicep. But yeah. Um, and that's 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 a really good point about sand troopers. And that's part of the reason I like them a lot. Probably when yeah. I retire my stormtrooper, it'll either be turned into a, a sand trooper or like an incinerator or something, just because they have a little bit more character, which is like 
kind of like the clones. I'm going to plug the clones here because I love them. <laughs> um, yeah. But they, looking at their armor, they, they're all weathered and grimy, and they have these special paint jobs, and it, it makes you wonder. And that's also inherently why I'm attracted to Boba. Like, even beyond his mysteriousness as a character, his costume design, I think, is some of the most beautiful that the cinema industry has ever seen. Um, it has so much depth to it. Like you don't even you don't even need to watch Empire Strikes Back if you just see a picture of Boba Fett. Like you look at it and you're like, wow, there's 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 a backstory to that character. Like he's the not dent, just the, the surface the level scratches, yeah. the the corrosion. Right, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, for sure. He he had it's, in a time when sci-fi was so. Um, clean and, you know, I think maybe that's what I loved about Star Wars because up until the seventies, you know, it's like we had where science fiction was at the time. And I'm, I'm referencing and please excuse me if, if you don't know all these references, but even, you know, you've got movies like 2001, a space odyssey where everything was very clean mm-hmm. and like astronauty, because, you know, you look at where, where America was at the time. And when we, you know, landed on the moon, it was like these, these suits that the astronauts wore and the, you know, the, the actual space shuttle. I mean, everything was white. It had, you know, the suits were white. They had just this very clean futuristic kind of look. And so for George Lucas to introduce us, you know, to a planet like Tatooine filmed on Tunisia where, you know, Luke looked like he was wearing rags. And then you see Obi-Wan for the first time. And it's like that guy, like, man, that guy's been in the desert for years, you know, like he's anything but, but then in contrast, we see the, you know, the Tantive four the first time and it's all white walls. And, you know, you see a bunch of stormtroopers blasting away at these rebels. So it's really, it's really cool to see how Star Wars has balanced, uh, you know, clean and cookie cutter, versus you know personality and i think a lot of that was flushed out in clone wars so you know i don't i don't i think that was you know and then you look at a movie like row one we had talked about this with drew where like the star wars aesthetic is it's got a little bit of grime to it you know this is there were in periods and periods of civil war and you know just intergalactic battles and all that kind of stuff so i think that's a really it's an important part of star wars vibe you know what i mean yeah no i i totally agree about that star wars has this really gritty industrial feel that gives it this this sort of real and visceral feeling story like I, again that there's a backstory to everything like oh that that greebly on the outside of this spaceship does something like that's a vent or a lever or whatever there's a yeah. reason between why that trooper has that scuff on right. his armor whereas this one doesn't um and all of that is it, it's it captures my imagination and clearly it captures yours too and sure millions of other people who love star wars yeah and what do you think as far as you know because you're you're building you know and like i said at the rate that you build stuff is is so cool to see because you're you're <laughs> able to adapt and make stuff i think it's i think it's awesome I'm I'm definitely more slow and steady myself and I'm you know we and and I love that it's a passion of yours enough that you prioritize it to keep making stuff and keep making you know and 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 being a part of the community and taking pictures and adding to a great content sphere of of uh you know stuff that inspires people to keep building. Um is there a you know particularly with the newer stuff even if it's not bad batch even if it's Mandalorian you know are there are there are there aesthetics are there costumes that you really 
you know, I, I know you, the joke was like Hunter, Hunter, you know, your name, I got to build this character, yep. but like, you know, what have you, what have you been really drawn to as far as, as the bad batch goes in terms of, you know, even, even their, even their armor is quite different from each other. Obviously that's part of the story, but you know, if you look at the bad batch together, it's like, they do not have, uh, you know, unified clone armor. Um, you know, their, their stuff is very particular to their style of, fighting their personality you know so what what do you kind of get drawn towards i i definitely like the utilitarian looking costumes like the, the all the night owls and din himself and the mandalorian and of course boba fett like all this stuff on their armor looks like it has and serves a purpose um and it also shows a lot of character um for whoever's wearing it like it's it's that that is their outward facing like personality, right? I mean, this yeah. is the way. Like the that this is my face. That classic line, line from uh, the Boba Fett comic book, right? Like that's right. kind of who he is, and and it portrays. It, it says a lot about the character, and that kind of thing is also what attracted me to the clones because the clones were given this stark, clean white armor, and they're the ones who painted it and gave it some character and individuality to make them stand out in this sea of faceless troopers. Um, and the bad batch, I, I, I'll be honest. I was kind of, kind of on the fence about them to begin with. When we first saw the trailers, I was worried they were going to be like too over the top and like, they were just going to be these characters that only stuck to a trope. Like, I mean, Wrecker kind of, I guess is the one, the only one who really rode that line for me, like just being this big bruiser character. Right. Right. But even him, like in the Bad Batch, they've been giving him a ton of character and individuality. You see these really sweet, intimate moments with him and Omega where he's like, yep, it's, she's basically his little sister. To me, any time, like the, the Bad Batch's armor also speaks to their individuality and their ability to like be their own person. And granted, they have those genetic mutations that also make them different from the rest of the army. But... It, they also express that through their armor and like through their ship and stuff. And hunters just kind of vibed with me because of the, partially because of the name, but I also I like I like his knife. It's it's I don't really know how to say it. Like it's just cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. Um. I like the skull on his on his helmet and on his face. It's just kind yeah. of this like this sort of tough guy mentality. But then you see his character and he actually like thinks about things and he's very calculating and like I'm he's got. 80s action hero vibes. I'm a big junkie for like Rambo and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, sure, I can. I see love it. that I can aspect definitely too. See it. Yeah, I gotta gotta wear the red bandana proper, which I know you've got a great yep. picture of yourself with it. Um, and and you know our our sister station, Thank the Maker, has been talking a lot about you know kind of how this show is developing, and and particularly you know like you said, uh, the characters can change your opinion of them over the show, and I. It's it is crazy that when you when you know what, what do you think it is about a character for you when you see him on screen is it something like you look at it and you go I, I'm gonna build that armor because I remember seeing the Death Troopers and thinking they were the sweetest looking troopers but after Rogue One I couldn't shake the Shore Trooper. And I don't know what that is because I tell people when they're considering getting into something and they're like, well, what's the cheapest costume? And I'm kind of like, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Hunter, but it's like, I tell people, I'm like, don't, don't, 
don't buy a costume because it's cheap. Buy a costume because you love the character. You love the way that it looks. You lo- there's something about it that you can't shake. You know. So so how do you know? How, how do you know when a co- when a character just like connects with you or how you know? Do you, do you think about it for a couple of weeks and say, man, I cannot shake how sweet that costume is? You know what what is it for you? Um, it's it. I so I have a list as I'm sure most people do of suits of armor or costumes that they think are cool or they think the character's cool and they want that costume yeah. and it's on their yeah. eventual list of builds. Um, and like you said, like I'll see th- with the death trooper, I'll, I'll see things in promotional material or in trailers. And I'm like, Oh, that that's a really sweet costume. I need right. to add that to my list. Um, and then sometimes, um, I don't really know what it is. But I think a lot of it is that, especially for troopers, like you'll see one on the screen and just by the way they move and the way they act and stuff, you can tell there's more going on behind that black eye lens. Um, And I was actually the same way as you. I thought the death troopers were sick and I still think they look really cool and I love their designs and stuff. A hundred percent. But when we see them on screen, they're they're almost like robots, like par- partially because of their voice, but they they move in a very like kind of stiff, um, like sturdy, strong manner. Um, yeah. And I, to me, like dressing up as that, it just wasn't. I don't know. It just didn't vibe with me. There was a point where I even had a Death Trooper kit on order, and I just never. That that's the only costume that I haven't like went through to completion that I started for whatever reason it just it just didn't seem like something that kind of like fit me it didn't feel like there was a ton more behind that armor even though it looks super cool and the shore troopers did definitely pique my interest in the same way and that they look cool but they're a little more grimy they have scuffs kind of like we were talking about with the sand troopers and stuff yeah um, and they were like they, they didn't seem as robotic as as the death troopers and that's kind of what has drawn me to them. They're, they're one of the costumes on my list. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that I, I know that list Hunter. I know that list. And, <laughs> uh, and my wife doesn't know that list, but I definitely know that list. <laughs> um, so let me, let me ask you before we're, you know, before we get into a lightning round Hunter, you know, there's a lot of people who have listened to the podcast that, I've, I've had conversations with through Instagram and, you know, just through whatever communication channels we have. And it's really cool to see someone walk up to the edge and just look down because once you dive into costuming, it's like, you know, and I tell people this, you, people go, I'm just going to build one costume. And I think we can all laugh and say, that's cute. Nice try because once you build one and you find out that it's actually real and possible and you see those reactions that you get from people when they see a real live, you know, Star Wars character in front of them, you are like, I need to do this. I need more of this. I need to build more. Right. So I want to ask you this for someone that's considering going, you know what? I've listened to the podcast enough. You're a younger guy you have clearly a passion for this stuff. You know, what, what kind of advice do you, do you have for someone who's, who's considering it? Like, is there, you know, what's rewarding about this hobby for you personally that someone might listen to and be like, I can, I can relate to that. I I want some of that. You know, there's, there's a lot of the beauty of this hobby and um, also bringing the clubs into this hobby is that there's 
it's it's a multifaceted thing. Like there's a lot of stuff you can get out of this. You can uh, be in this community as like a social thing. You can be yeah. in it um, for the charity aspect with the clubs, which sure. I, think, I think everyone who's involved gets a ton of fulfillment out of that because you can turn this this thing that you love into something that gives someone else happiness and joy. Um, and just being able to share that with other people is is fantastic. And then that you can also approach this this hobby as like an artistic thing and a way to express yourself through that. Or I mean, for me personally, like working on armor and helmets in the garage is like kind of my like my me time it's sort of therapeutic i find it really relaxing and uh so i guess my advice to someone coming into this hobby part sort of like what you said you said pick a costume that you like don't pick one that's just cheap to get into it you want this hobby to be something that doesn't feel like a burden it's not just like something that you kind of threw together and did on the side like it's it pays to kind of give it your all and do take a costume that you love bring it to life and then either use that for like you know your own personal like artistic development or like some sort of relaxing or therapeutic um like build time for yourself or you can turn into something that's a social aspect and you can meet people um and i'm i'm Clearly, you know, because you started this podcast, like, yeah, we meet people from all over the world through this, this community, which is fantastic. Um, and then you can even um, approach it through the clubs to this, this charity aspect too, which um, all of those are, are really fulfilling things. So kind of take a step back, figure out what you want from this hobby and why you want that. Um, and then just, you, you talk about staying on the edge, then just dive in head first just go for it <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah i i you know i think this 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 hobby you know i and now now you've what do you what is your day job hunter that's also a question i wanted to ask uh i am a mechanical design engineer awesome okay so you work in cad uh yeah do stuff in SolidWorks, which sadly does not translate as much as I would like to armor modeling because it's all these hard-edged metal components and not these beautiful organic helmet shapes. But that's, sure, that's on my sure. to-do list is teach myself how to do like mesh-based modeling and stuff. There you go. There you go. Yeah, well, may, I mean, you know, eventually you get to a point where you start, you know, like Luke Daly, who starts making, you know, a lot of metal parts and fabrication stuff. But the the, the question I was going to you know, that I, that I, the reason I asked that question is, you know, I think for a lot of people, I, I kind of fell back in love with star Wars out of when, when the force awakens, the hype train started for that. And there were a couple like throwback things. I, I used to work in the snowboard industry. And so there were a lot of like, you know, partnerships and Lucasfilm was kind of trying to become more relevant. Luke, uh, Disney had bought Lucasfilm and they were trying to reintroduce Star Wars to a lot of people. And I was kind of at that age where Star Wars wasn't really cool. I saw all the movies on day one. I did all that stuff, but it wasn't like this outward uh, part of my life where I would like really like tell people how much I was into it. And obviously things have certainly changed. And I think through finding the club, you know, if you look at it from a financial state, right? If you go, if you get into anything, anything, you will spend a lot of money on that thing, right? I'm talking, I have friends. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're a gamer. I'm really not, but I have some friends who are really into, you know, Fortnite 
and the amount of money they spent on DLC and this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, and then you don't get anything from it. You're just done. Or you get into mountain biking and you spend $3,000 oh, on Oh, that's an entry. expensive hobby. Exactly. It's like you spend $3,000 on an entry level, you know, double suspension bike. You're still spending money on something that, especially in Michigan, you can relate because we're both in Michigan, that you you can only use for six months out of the year. But this the costumes <laughs> yep. that we build, you can wear them all the time at any event that happens now that things are getting a little bit back to normal. You could wear your costume once a month um, and get fulfillment mm -hmm. out of it and then have a costume for the rest of your life, which I think is awesome. So I, I think that's, yeah. that's great advice that, that you brought up. And the charity part of it, you know, think about it this way. We're only, as individuals... We're only so powerful in terms of our communities, but as soon as you get a property like Star Wars that has a lot more of a relatable wide casting net, um, it, it brings power to our ability to orchestrate change in our communities, whether that's through fundraising or that's that's through making people happy, showing up at you know children's hospitals and stoking kids out that aren't able to leave. That's a huge part of it. So I think those are great points. I always try to ask people, what about the clubs got them excited? What about costuming got them excited? Uh, so I, I fully concur. I agree with everything you said. That's awesome. So Hunter, let's get into a lightning round. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You got to fire off answers as quickly as you can. Okay. Are you ready to do this? I know you've you've listened to the show, so you're kind of like, okay, I think yep. I have answers pre-can, right? I think I'm ready. I hope I'm ready. You get to keep one costume that you've made, and the rest you have to give away. What is the costume oh, God. of your six that you keep, Hunter? It's got to be Rex. It's got to be Rex just because of the nostalgia factor and, like, what that costume and, like, armor and character meant to me gr growing up. Like I said, I, I have that picture of me in that janky duct tape costume next to a super legit-looking Captain Rex Um and like that coming full circle, like there's a picture of me at Celebration in Rex next to a kid in like a kid's clone trooper costume. And that kind of thing coming full circle is just like, it's so cool. That represents what this whole community and, and costuming journey has been about for me. Yeah. And that that is a perfect answer, because like we had said earlier, it's about connecting with a costume. For me, I remember flying my, you know, Hasbro or whoever the kenner or whatever power of the force speeder bike round in the woods of michigan thinking i was on endor because it looked the most like where we grew up and that's why my first build was a scout so that is a perfect answer i'm glad we could do that hunter my next question for you of this lightning round is what is your dream build if no cost was a factor bosk bosk yeah. Another bounty hunter. Tell me why. What is what is yep. it about boss that you're like I got to I got to put that slimy thing on? I just, just slimy on the outside and on the inside with a latex or silicone mask. I'm going to be sweating my butt off in there. That's right. Um but I I really love the character design. Um growing up I was like a like you just said a boy growing up in Michigan playing in the woods with frogs and snakes and salamanders and stuff and so i was into all that i growing up for a long time i wanted to be like a marine biologist too and sure. so that and that's still kind of just like a hobby that i like to learn about um so 
it I, the character design appeals to me for that reason. And I mean, he's he's just a cool looking bounty hunter, kind of like Boba Fett. Yeah. He's super mysterious, standing there on the the bridge of the Executor with all his swagger, and that officer kind of mouths off to him. <laughs> and he just stares at him, and he's like, "Whoa." Yeah. You mean yeah. business. And I don't know. He's just, yeah. he's another cool character design. Which Star Wars film or show, I feel like I already know the answer. Which Star Wars film or show has the coolest armored trooper? 100% the Clone Wars. It's got I all the clones. Answer. I don't even know why I asked you yeah. that, Hunter. <laughs> is there a particular, I mean, Rex is obviously a reoccurring theme throughout most of the show as a character, but is there a, is there a, you know, are you like a, a phase one guy? Are you a phase two? I mean, what, what do, is there a, a specific costume that you're like, that, that is just the chef's kiss for you? Uh, it's as far as clones, definitely Rex. Um, yeah. specifically his phase two armor. Um, but yeah, well did. I just love it. Cre- made it yeah. himself. Uh, so that's another reason I like his phase two armor so much. It's got like, it's like, Oh, he put like time into that and he like made it himself or modified it or whatever. And it's, it's cool. It's like, Oh, I can relate to that. Like he, he cares about like this thing that he's, that's a big part of his life. So he's going to put work into it. Yeah. I, I, I fully concur. That's awesome. And I agree with that. Who has cooler costumes though? The good guys or the bad guys? The bad guys definitely have cooler costumes. (laughs) <laughs> you didn't even have to think about that one either. And I think most nope. people would agree with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got Boba Fett. You got Vader. I mean, for me, you got Starkiller. I guess you can lump all the clones into the bad guys post order 66 too. So right. the light side doesn't have a chance as far as fashion goes. That's, that's a good point. Now, Hunter, I've got to ask you, would you rather have a lightsaber or a blaster at your side? Utility. A blaster would be much more practical. But a lightsaber would be so fun. Just <laughs> chopping stuff up, swinging it around, having a great time. Yeah. Like, I, I'd, ha- I'd have to pick a lightsaber. Okay. Okay, now, do, have you thought about this? What color would your crystal be? Have you thought about this? Oh, that's... It's kind of like a basic generic answer, but I'd probably pick blue. Like that's a okay, nice deep blue. The crystal picks you, so whatever color it is, I you just hope. So it's I don't not have red. a choice. Awesome. That's it. That's right. That's right. You just hope it doesn't start bleeding and looks red. And okay, you know oh, that yeah. you're in trouble at that Makes point. Me Let me bad. ask you this, Hunter. Last, our last lightning round question for you: What ship, if you could pilot any ship, keep it in your garage, assuming your garage is humongous, which ship in Star Wars would you choose to pilot? Probably going to be a slave one. I also kind of felt like I knew that answer. Yeah, I'm predictable, aren't I? <laughs> I guess so, man. That's awesome. And it's a great and yeah. it's a great ship. It was really cool in The Mandalorian to see how the cockpit actually rotated. Yeah. I thought that was a great little detail. You know, we can obviously appreciate that, you know, the showrunner Dave Filoni obviously knows his what the fans want to see. So I think that's that's awesome. Well, Hunter, thank you so much for being on the show with me. I I, I'm I'm such a geek over the stuff that you make. I'm excited that we actually get to meet in person and we're going to share some of these pictures. Depending when this episode drops, you will see lots of pictures of us together. And I think that's going to be awesome. I'm super excited for that. Um, Hunter, what, what do you have any armor kits that are currently being built right now? Do you want to share what, what, what's your work in progress right now? Uh, I don't have any full armor builds going on at the moment because i just finished star killer 
and I just finished Han. So those were my two full costumes that I was focusing on. Um, so I've, I've been thinking a lot about what's next. Um, All right. Well, you're going to have to follow along. I was going to say, you're going to have to follow along with Hunter to see which one you're going to unveil next, because I'm sure at this point <laughs> you'll do it great, too. Yeah. Yeah. Where can we find you? on the social media for people to follow along. You're a very active account, especially on Instagram. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, like you said, I'm most active on Instagram at jguyhunter, J-A-I-G underscore E-Y-E underscore hunter. Most active on there. I post all my work in progress stuff as well as like finished pictures from photo shoots and all that. And I'm also, as much as I hate to say it, active on TikTok as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit too old for that, but Hunter, I'll trust that it's a great place for troopers to be on. <laughs> so Hunter, thank you again for being on the show and being on Armor Party. Uh, it's It's been a blast to talk to you, pun intended, and I look forward to seeing more of your work. Like I said, Hunter has a great active account. If you're looking into getting into to Armor reach out to Hunter. He'll answer questions. He's super active on there. So I think that's great. Hunter, thank you for being on Armor Party. Any last words for us? Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. I love the show. Happy to be on here. Always happy to talk armor. Like you said, if anyone has questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy to talk armor. All right, let's go crank some clankers for the Republic. And that is a wrap on our latest episode with Hunter Smoke. Check out Hunter's social media for some awesome pictures that him and I took when he came up to visit. He is a great dude and a fantastic customer, so show him some love for being on Armor Party. I am your host, Mike Forster, reminding you that Armor Party is a part of the Thank the Maker Network. If you are looking for other Star Wars content, Thank the Maker is our sister podcast and is more into current shows, movies, and discussions. They have some fantastic guests on, and they've got a great community that follows along. Check them out on your social media preference of choice at Thank the Maker Pod. Our incredible intro and outro was done by the talented Alton James. If you are looking for someone to do music for a short film, I know a lot of people who are making Star Wars fan films right now, hit Alton up. Uh, he, he came up with our intro and outro off a goofy little idea that I had, and you can clearly hear how well that turned out. Hit up Alton. He is your guy if you are getting into any kind of composition as far as film. Find him on Instagram at Alton underscore James. Now, we'll see you in two weeks with another awesome guest, but I want you to remember that being an adult is boring and wearing and building armor is anything but. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs>